You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Welcome to The Bridge Podcast, a show about resiliency and overcoming obstacles. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College, and boy, do we have an amazing guest today. Crystal Turner Childs is a brilliant, bold, and brave leader in the Pennsylvania State Police. She currently serves as the first African-American female acting deputy commissioner of staff of the Pennsylvania State Police. She has also distinguished herself during her 23 years of law enforcement experience as the first African-American female to command a troop and the second African-American female to obtain the rank of major in the 116-year history of the Pennsylvania State Police. Crystal Turner Childs earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from Elizabethtown College and a master's degree in organizational leadership right here from Central Penn College. She is also a graduate of the Northwestern School of Police Staff and Command and the FBI National Academy. Crystal is the owner of Femme Powered LLC. Femme Powered empowers you to take charge of your physical health, mental, and spiritual health. The goal is achieved by offering workshops on self-esteem, goal-setting, healthy relationships, and healthy lifestyles. As a certified fitness trainer, Crystal provides purpose-driven motivation that enhances self-esteem, healthy lifestyles, and goal achievement. Crystal has a passion for building self-esteem from the inside out, having lost over 100 pounds she knows what it means to live a lifestyle of passion with purpose. A motivational speaker and community health advocate, Crystal walks the walk and she talks the talk. She's the recipient of numerous awards, which include the Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Cretic Athena Award, NCBW Trailblazer Award, and the Greater Harrisburg YWCA Woman of Excellence Award. And just this year, Crystal was awarded our Honorary Doctorate of Humane Letters at Central Penn College. In today's episode, we will talk to Crystal about her journey in higher education and her time at the Academy. Please join me in welcoming Major Crystal Turner Childs. Major Turner Childs. It is so good to have you here with me today. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I had the opportunity to hear your commencement speech. You are our commencement speaker for our 139th commencement of Central Penn College and our honorary doctorate recipient. Wow. It's great to have you as our graduate and our speaker. And the theme of your speech was, no is not never. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose that topic, how it relates to you in your own life? Maybe share a little bit about how you got to that point. I always like to remember how I came to be and you know when I was when you when I got the call from you all and you were talking about receiving the honorary doctorate the first thing that popped into my mind was when I was in Indiana University of Pennsylvania I had to leave school because I ran out of money right and I was like wow what a mm-hmm. a path forward to have had to leave school because I ran out of money and now to receive an honorary doctorate. And so the first thing that popped in my brain at that very moment was no is not never. No doesn't mean never. And so there may be stumbling blocks. There may even be closed doors. There will be no's in your life, but that does not mean never. 
And so we have to continue to focus on whatever it is that we're passionate about or whatever our goal is or our dream is in order to secure it. And that's what this is all about. No is not never. And we'll get into it a little bit more as we go on and talk about your professional life history, because you've heard no a few times, Mm -hmm. and and we'll get into that. But I also know that you've given this speech more than once to different groups of people. Talk about maybe how some young people have responded, or people, when they've heard your speech, things they've said to you after. Wow. People uh, are really moved by the speech, and they always feel a connection to me once they hear my story. And I find that very interesting, Mm. that oftentimes we walk through life, and we feel as if we're only on this this path and this journey all alone. But really... We're all in this together. And as soon as we speak it or we allow ourselves to be transparent and we share ourselves with other people, that's when we just, we find out that we're more connected than we are different. Right. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. You wear a lot of hats. And, <laughs> and before we talk about your trailblazing career in the Pennsylvania State Police, your status as a community role model, your belief in lifelong learning, you're also an entrepreneur. And when I read this about you, I I couldn't believe it. So I want to begin by asking you about a relatively new venture Mm -hmm. called FemPowered, which you launched last March. So tell me a little bit about this, what it is, how people can get involved. Well, FemPowered LLC is a, first of all, it has a, a few different components. Number one, we are about fitness. We're about improving your fitness, not only from a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. but from a mental and a spiritual standpoint. Right. I believe that they all kind of come together to form a triangle. And if you allow one to slip, then your triangle falls apart. And so I think it's important that we realize that we, we may have a desire to be physically fit, but maybe the mental part is, is lacking. Mm. And then when we don't have the motivation mm-hmm. to move forward, to mm-hmm. work towards being physically fit, maybe the spiritual part is lacking. Right. And so that's why we work on it all together. And we do it in a group okay. type of fitness environment, meaning I uh, used to play team sports. And sometimes we don't understand the, t- the concept of team sports, but I believe that when you work together in a fitness environment with other people, that you thrive because the energy, sure, okay, we're all thriving off of one another's energy, and that allows us to move forward and overcome obstacles. Right. So there is there a component where your group is getting together to talk about obstacles they might be facing or... Well, one of the things I do is when we get together to work out is I ask them to set an intention right from the beginning. So okay. as soon as they walk into the room, okay, what's your intention today? Is your if your intention because you got here so you already overcame one right, obstacle. The motivation. But what is your intention as far as we're moving forward in this workout? Is it just to to get through? Right. Is it to smash it? <laughs> is it to okay? I didn't uh, last week. I only could do three pushups. This week I'm going to push for five. Right. What is your intention? Because it's not enough to set goals. We need to be intentional about goal setting. And so I asked them that right in the beginning of the workout. And then halfway through the workout, I'll say, is your intention still the same? You know, <laughs> you know, because yeah. now that you yeah. felt what I had planned for you and you're like, oh, this is tough. Is your intention still the same? Are we going to smash it? We're going to crush it. What are we going to do? And then we press forward. That, so let me ask you about this, because 
that's not the only thing you're doing. I mean, you you work a full time job, I do. a, a mm-hmm. difficult, demanding full time job. And I'm curious, even as a manager and a leader, the last 13 plus years, because you also had something you had eyes wide open. I did. How do you find the time to start a new venture? Like, what would you say to women or really anyone, women or men that are out there that are thinking, I might want to do something. I want might want to start my own business, but they're also working full time. Yeah, I would say try it. Yeah. Um, I would say look at what you're doing and understand what the purpose and the passion is. Passion is. You know, we, we hear this often, what is your why? But, oh, my God, why are you starting it? The reason I started FemPowered is because I kept hearing the same lack of self-esteem, lack of drive, not be- believing in yourself to move forward and try new things. And that's where the name Fem Powered came from. And guys, don't get, don't get uh, <laughs> discouraged or don't feel as if this is for women only because it's not. It is. It, it became fem-powered only because I felt like women, and those are the people that I am around a lot and connect with most, uh, we were all having difficulty believing in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and when you sit down and talk to one another, we were saying the same things. And I was like, you know what? We, we're powerful. We can do this. And I decided to start this business during the pandemic. Well, I, I noticed that literally <laughs> March of 2020. Yes, in the pandemic. And I was having my own personal struggles. Sure. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to step out. I'm going to take the leap because I you, you, you can't talk about it and not be about it. Right. And that's who right. I am at its core. If I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to be about it. And so I decided to move forward. And boy, when I did. Um, it has been a wonderful journey I'm with sure. Empowered, and we continue to grow. and And it's, it. I'm really loving it. It's 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 fun for me. It's fun, even I though bet. with my full time job, it's fun. It well, and and we'll talk a little bit about your your personal struggle with your weight and how mm-hmm. you got to where you are now, and how I'm sure that's inspired you. Um, tell tell me some of the things you've learned as an entrepreneur. Hmm. Well, what I've learned is, <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> that was but, a big sigh. <laughs> I've learned a lot, but what I've learned is, uh, because I, as you spoke about before, I did have a business called Eyes Wide Open. And when I started Eyes Wide Open, I kind of started it based off of what other people were telling me. Mm. Hey, you're a good speaker. You should try, uh, you should do this. You should speak. And so I tried it yeah. and it worked out okay for a while, but I didn't have a passion for it. Right, right. And so... I decided that, you know what, let me open my eyes and move away from this eyes wide open and move towards more of what I really enjoy doing, which is um, sharing the knowledge that I have about fitness and sharing the knowledge that I have about overcoming obstacles with other people. And so that's when I decided to move on with FemPowered. Okay, Mm -hmm. very good. Tell me about some people that have inspired you along, (laughs) along this journey. Oh my goodness! There have been many. I had an uh, an aunt. She's since gone uh, past, but I had an aunt who was one of the first African female, African American females, to become a nurse in the mm-hmm. VA. And uh, I lived with her for some time in New York as a child. And uh, the way that uh, I would go visit her is that she would pay for an airline ticket for me, little wow. me. I might have been four or five years old. And at the time, they would put a little piece of paper and pin it to my shirt 
with my name and who was responsible right. for me when I got to New York. Put you on the plane. And put me on the it's plane. It's crazy to think about, isn't it? Yeah. And the stewardesses would take care of me. And, and you then flew by yourself. Flew by myself. Oh, my goodness. And then walk me off the plane, and there would be There's my aunt. aunt. And uh, she taught me about to, took me to restaurants. And we lived in the Bronx in New York. And she would take me to restaurants and she showed me how to eat in restaurants. And wow. I just thought she was the most glamorous of course. person in the of world. Of course you did. And uh, just her fearlessness. I mean, we, we we lived, I was born in Moxville, North Carolina. And if you blink, I think it had one street light or one, <laughs> one traffic light. True and small you, town. Yeah, if you blink, you were through it. And so for her to leave Moxville, North Carolina, and then move all the way to Bronx, New York, that was a, a huge for me. I mean, we're talking red dirt and one right, traffic light right. to, to New York concrete City. to yeah. New York City. And uh, just seeing her navigate the city and do those great things as far as being the first African, one of the first yeah. African-American female nurses in the VA hospital. Yeah, she Man. blew my mind. She blew my mind. What an what an inspiration. You you think about how someone can have such a tremendous impact on a child in particular. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Today's episode will continue in a minute, but first, the cost to attend college and the time to complete the work are two of the top barriers to enrollment, according to a 2020 Inside Higher Ed survey. While college might be the single greatest investment you can make in terms of future earnings, it still comes with a significant price tag. But thanks to the Central Penn College Education Foundation, we are working to make your college degree or certificate even more affordable at Central Penn College. Twice a year, our Education Foundation awards over $100,000 in new scholarships. The only way to be considered for these generous student scholarships is to apply. Visit www.centralpenn.edu foundation to find a scholarship that might be a perfect match for you. That's www.centralpenn.edu foundation to apply for a scholarship now. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit. So two years ago, you were featured in the cover story of the Spring 2019 Pendulum. That's our college's yeah. alumni magazine. And in that article, you mentioned that there were two pivotal events that inspired you to pursue law enforcement as a career. And I want to talk a little bit about that. So maybe tell us what the two things were that made you want to get into the state police Well, the or fir- police in general. Police in general. The first was um, I grew up on Allison Hill in Harrisburg City. And there was a fight up the street. Mm. And um, when you're a kid, you know, when there's a fight, you run to it, not from it. Because you want to see what's happening. happening. And so I ran up the street and a young man had got hit in the head and he was laying on the uh, asphalt and his head was cracked open and blood was rolling down the street. And so immediately I just turned and ran home. I'm dating myself age-wise, but I ran home to dial 911. Yeah. And um, what I didn't understand as a child was police have to respond to the origin of the call. And so the police come, the ambulance come, and next thing I know, we're standing on a porch watching everything, and the police officer starts walking over to our house. Oh, because you made the phone call. Right. Now, I didn't ask my mom to use the phone. So (laughs) I was a little nervous at that point. But the police officer comes over, and he says, hey, who dialed 911? And my mom immediately, I didn't dial it. And she looks over at me and I'm like, me? And uh, the officer said, hey, you did a great thing. Oh. 
because you acted so quickly and dialed 911, this young man is probably going to survive. Wow. And boy, did that make me feel great. I felt like I was 10 feet tall at that moment. And just the interaction with this officer was so positive that I was like, wow, you know, being a police officer, that's kind of a cool, cool job. And, uh, you know, I was probably 13, 14 at the time. And so, you know, I I never thought negatively of police. The second one to counter was I was uh, traveling to IUP actually to go to college and I was speeding and the uh, <laughs> officer pulls me over and he pulls me over. And the first thing you know, we do, we go to 10 and 2 and uh, <laughs> he walks up to my vehicle and he goes, ma'am, trooper, I don't know what his name was, Pennsylvania State Police, license registration and insurance. I didn't hear that last part. All I heard was ma'am. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, he called me ma'am? Who's ma'am? Yeah. <laughs> and so I asked him, that, you know, I'm sorry, sir, what did you need? He, and he repeated himself. And I said, oh, sure. It's over in a glove compartment. And reach over and hand it to him. And as he's walking away, I'm looking at him in the rearview mirror, and his uniform was pressed immaculately, and the hat was on just right. And I'm looking in the rear view, and I'm like, whoa, he's fine. He's nice looking. <laughs> And so, I love that your thought as you got pulled over. <laughs> and so he uh, he he did end up giving me a, a traffic citation, a ticket, and uh, but um, it was nonetheless it was a positive encounter, and uh, I ended up paying a ticket. But it also made me curious about the Pennsylvania State Police because I never saw a Pennsylvania State Trooper. Interesting. And so when I got to college, went to the library, did some research in Pennsylvania State Police. Found out the first female class came in in 1972. Um, there weren't that many African American, and so I said, you know what? He's another police officer, but I like this Pennsylvania State Police. I think I want to try that out one day. And so I ended up applying, and uh, I didn't. I didn't make it on the first time. Didn't make it on the second, but the third time. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. Because I think <laughs> that that your resilience, which is something I often talk about as a theme really builds character and who you are and, and, and it shapes you and molds you into who you are. Um, but let's talk about where you began your career in law enforcement. So you started as a correctional officer. Yeah. What was the reaction of your family and friends when you told them that you wanted to in, invest in this career choice? Oh, my mother was like, whoa, where do you want to do? I'm sure. Um, and she, I remember telling her about the prison and she's like, the prison? <laughs> no. I said, I said, well, mom, I got to get some money. I don't have, you know, at the time, I was working at Quaker Oats as a security guard, and I wasn't making a lot of money. And I said, the bills are coming in, the loans and mm-hmm. things. I got I to gotta do this. I got to step in. And so I took the job at Dauphin County Prison. And when she found, you know, she after, after you know, training and stuff, and she saw that I was okay, she kind of relaxed. Uh, regarding the state police, though, it was a little different. Well, so let's talk about that. So you took the exam for the state police, and it didn't go well. You said it was the hardest test you've ever taken. It was. But that score didn't deter you. No. And in fact, it energized you and motivated you. So so I got to hear, I was lucky enough to hear your commencement speech, mm-hmm. which everyone else will have an opportunity to hear soon. But talk about your mindset during that time and what happened as you were trying to get into the state police. Well, I was so excited that the state police were hiring and uh, I took the test. And back then they had this, it was a crazy test where... You, they would put these images up on the screen and you had to be able to say what type of vehicle it was and all these types of things. Oh, okay. It would just be an image on the screen. And then there were some other difficult questions and it felt like it was excruciating. And uh, I took the test. And at that time, 
you had to have a certain um, threshold to make to pad to move forward from the written to the oral. Mm-hmm. First time I took it, I didn't make the threshold to move from the written to the oral. So I was a little disappointed, a lot of disappointed, I should say, and uh, a little devastated because I was like, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to move forward, you know, in pursuing my dream. And so, it, you know, there were some days where I was just kind of dark and just not feeling as if I was going to be able to make it and thinking, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And so luckily the state police had another opportunity to take the test. So I took it again. Mm-hmm. I took the test. And that time I made the threshold right. <laughs> right. to move on to the oral interview. And I took the oral interview and made the threshold. But then they made the cutoff to a point where I didn't get invited to the next phase. Ugh. So I'm like, that's twice now. I, I, I don't know. But you didn't give up. No, I did not. And uh, I was getting close to the cutoff for the age, too, because at that time, the cutoff was 31. Okay. And as a matter of fact, they actually did cut cut me off at the 31 uh, threshold. Wow. I got I even got a letter. I called it the Dear Jane letter that said, hey, you, uh, you just passed the age of 31, and that's our cutoff, so we're going to be removing you from the list. So I was like, that's it. Uh, I don't know what else to do here. Uh, fortunately for me, someone challenged that ruling. And so the Pennsylvania State Police had to uh, increase the age limit. So that's got another letter back, another letter. And it says, hey, we've changed our cutoff. Do you still want to participate? And I was like, yes. So I sent my information back and then moved forward into the oral interview process where I thought I did very well. Now, while these things are going on, because life happens, you know, keep in mind, these are years. These are not months that are right. passing. These right. are years. Right. And I'm working in a prison, which is a dark place, and, you know, sometimes eight, 16-hour days. Mm. And I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating properly. I gained a whole lot of weight. I was, And when I say a whole lot of weight, I'm talking well over 100 pounds. Uh, um, I just wasn't taking care of myself. And so when these, these letters were coming— Thankfully, the prison had a uh, a health plan where you could get a gym membership for free. So I started working out in the gym, started losing weight, mm-hmm. lost 70 pounds. That's incredible. And that's about the timing of this letter. Okay. So that's, you got the letter, you lost 70 pounds, yes. you're in a better mindset. Yes. I'm in a great mindset, actually. And uh, went to the academy to participate in physical agility, passed it past everything, pull-ups, sit-ups, uh, the run, all those things. And the one thing they did have back in those days, though, was a body fat test. And uh, <laughs> the body fat test had said that women had to be 24% body fat. Ugh. And I go in, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself, and they take my body fat, and I'm 27% body fat. Mm. And so the Pennsylvania State Police said... You didn't pass. Uh, you have to be 24%. But we're going to make you an offer. We're going to give you 30 days to go home, try to get where you need to be. Uh, so arbitrary. But, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I understand that there are rules, but it's it's just so arbitrary. You passed the physical exam. You were 27%, which is an excellent 
And I felt great. Body fat. You felt great. You Mm -hmm. passed everything else, but it wasn't 24. Nope. So they gave you 30 days to lose three more body percentage And that's, it's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So what did you do? So I went home. Let let me tell you, when I left that academy and they told me to go back home again. Now, remember, this is my third time. So I'm feeling horrible. I'm sure. I drove right down that hill across the street to the creamery and got me six, uh, chocolate chip cookies <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully so listen rightfully i so. was just in uh, i was just upset. in a funk and i i cried all the way home and Aww. uh while i ate my cookies and then i called <laughs> this guy that uh my workout partner and his name is todd hall and i called him on the phone and i told him and he says uh he said but they're giving you 30 days to come back and i said yes i was crying he says okay what time are we meeting at the gym yeah you needed that. Yeah. You needed that in that yeah. moment. And so we went right back to the gym and we worked hard for 30 days. And uh, then I got another chance to go back. And when I went back the next time, uh, I had to pass all the physical testing again. I passed oh. it and then came the body fat check. And so even though I knew I had lost some weight, I refused to look at the scale or anything because I sure. said the first time I want to see where I'm at is at that academy. And they took it and I was at. 22% body fat. Holy cow. I had lost 30 pounds. In a month. In a month. Oh. And uh, I was so excited emotionally and, and spiritually that that just took over everything, you know. And they gave me two weeks to get ready to report, and I went. Yep. Wow. So I want to talk a little bit about the academy, mm-hmm. because you were one of 88 cadets, mm-hmm. candidates, and there were just five women mm-hmm. of that 88, and you were the only African-American woman. Yes. yes. That's, a, that's, an, that's not an ideal situation. I mean, especially when you're, when you're talking about what women go through, that imposter syndrome and the belief in yourself, and you had failed three times, and now you're in this academy, and you're the only African-American woman there. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? Whoa. The academy is something that I will never forget. It's a paramilitary environment. Mm. So you feel like you're going into like a boot camp type of atmosphere. Right. Um, the one good thing is that my the, the other women that I went into training with, we all kind of bonded and we had made the decision that we were not going to quit. And so the fact that we were leaning on one another yeah. was great. It was a it was the academy is not easy and I will tell that to anybody. It, it was a difficult process, but we leaned on one another, and there were some days when I wanted to, like, you know, we're right at Hershey, and so right across the street is Hershey Park, and I would look out that window and see the <laughs> roller coaster and the Ferris wheel, and there were some days I was like, you know, if I jump out this window, I could be gone and home, and they won't even realize I'm gone until the next morning, but I didn't jump. I no. stayed. Yeah. So you had a group of women. That's interesting. In a lot of ways, you almost had femme-powered. Right Back there. at that time. Right there. Yep. Because you, you need that, especially when you're going through really difficult times. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that education has always been something that oh. you've strived for. And, you know, you, you talk, you and I talked about that earlier. I mean, during all of this, like you're saying, this was not just a couple days or weeks. It's, mm-hmm. it's years. And you're still putting in time to study on your own. Um, then as a trooper, you went back, you completed your bachelor's degree at Elizabethtown College in 2005. Yes. And then later on, you'd come to Central Penn College yes. and earn your master's degree. So talk to me a little bit about your attitude toward learning. My gosh, like it was always, I was first generation to go to college. So it was always a dream to, I wanted to fulfill, you know, and uh, to say that, hey, I graduated college. And so being able to go back to E-Town to get my bachelor's was 
you know, that dream fulfilled. But in that journey of going back to college and, and in my studies as a Pennsylvania State Trooper, I started to learn how important it was to get that education and, and continue in education because the world is evolving mm-hmm. and it's important for us to stay in step with what the world is doing. And so when I went back to college, I have a, the, the a bachelor's degree is criminal justice, but I wanted to do something different with my master's. And I said, you know, I think leadership is where I want to be. Um, right. Because as I move forward in the Pennsylvania State Police, I think it's important for me to model the type of person that I want subordinates to look like. Right. And so, it's again, here we go again. It's not enough for me to, to talk it. I need to walk it. And so... That's part of the reason that I came to Central Penn. But specifically, yes, you had the leadership program here and all that, but I got to tell you, it was the faculty that made me actually check the block and complete the application to decide to come here. Because every time I called, every time I had a question, every single time I, I just needed an answer and I picked up that phone, somebody helped me. And it just felt like more of a personal type of relationship that I was building here at the college. And that's the reason. That's the reason. I, I'm sure there there were other colleges that I considered, but it was the personal mm. stamp that Central Penn gave me that caused me to come here. Well, I love to hear that. Mm-hmm. I, it's, that's really important to hear. It's something we pride ourselves on. Mm-hmm. We, we just completed our um, strategic plan. We just finished our first year. We're in our second year but one of the most resounding themes were students or family. Yes. And and that is something that we want everyone to feel when they're here. So I'm glad to hear that that was your experience. Listen, I, I, I don't remember her name right this second, but there was a couple times, because I'm busy, you know, I was working on my master's, and I would mess up my password. And I, I get it. It's something <laughs> trivial. I would. I would, <laughs> I would just not remember my password. And I would get on the phone and call here and they were so patient, and they were just like, we'll help you with that. And and it didn't make me feel less than because no. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't get my – and it was great. And then after a while, you know, I got it all under control. But, I mean, something as small as just helping me with my password. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sure. That's going to do it for today's episode of The Bridge. Next time, Crystal and I talk more about her many promotions and about the criminal justice field in general. Today's episode of The Bridge is brought to you by Central Penn College. Central Penn College offers career-focused programs that enable our students to transform their lives by landing jobs in their chosen profession. To learn more about investing in your career with Central Penn, visit us at www.centralpenn.edu. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bridge, hosted by Central Penn College President Linda Fadrizi-Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a great rating on your favorite podcast service. The Bridge is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes of The Bridge, stories of resilience, courage, and innovation with Dr. Linda Fadrizi-Williams. We'll see you next time. 